There are certainly some things in life that are just better together, aren't there? Things like Oreos and milk. I was listening to something this last week, and there were two people on the radio talking about their favorite foods, and one person talked about how they love taking Oreos and dipping them in water. Have you ever heard of that? Now, I'm sorry if you like that, but that just sounds odd to me. It's Oreos and milk that is the best combination. Or things that go together, peanut butter and jelly. Or things that go together, baseball, hot dogs. And there was supposed to be a picture of apple pie in there, but I guess I missed that. And I don't know about you, but uh, one of my favorite snacks, caramel and cheese popcorn together. Can't just eat them separately, but they are better together. And there's nobody that does cheese and caramel popcorn like Garrett's in Chicago. If you're looking for an early Christmas gift, there's a suggestion. When we get to Romans 16 in our reading this week of the New Testament, you might find it easy to want to just skip over that chapter when you see that long list of names that are there, if for no other reason it's a little difficult to pronounce some of those names. And although Ross didn't read for us, because we didn't give them to you, all the names in that chapter when he read from Romans 16 this morning, I would like for us to not just pass over it, but to pause there for a moment today. The Apostle Paul was planning to make a trip to Rome, but before he did that, he wrote a letter to them. Before he finishes the letter, there's a number of people that he wants to acknowledge, he wants to, to greet. And so Paul includes the names of these people, all 35 of them, and I think one thing that that list of names illustrates for us is that the number of reasons that we are better together in the body of Christ. And maybe one of the first things that it says about why we are better together in the body of Christ is, I can't do everything myself. Actually, the point is, none of us can do everything ourselves. I want you to look at some of the names that are mentioned there. The first person, and Ross read this, the first person there is a woman by the name of Phoebe. Apparently, she had some kind of official role or position in the church. The translation tells us that she was a deacon, or you can translate that deaconess. One of the things Phoebe is remembered for is she's actually the one who took the letter that Paul wrote and hand-delivered it to the Christians in Rome. In those days, there certainly wasn't a postal delivery service. And so if you had some correspondence that you wanted to get sent someplace, it had to get there by somebody hand-delivering it. Paul mentions Phoebe because she was helpful to him because she delivered this letter. If anything, this shows how much value Paul had in her and how much he trusted her. 
But she's not the only one mentioned here. Paul makes reference to a couple by the name of Priscilla and Aquila, and he says they were co-workers in Christ Jesus who risked their lives for me. For the most part, what we understand about these two is that they would open their homes to disciple others and to share the message of Jesus Christ with them. A couple of other people that Paul mentions as co-workers is somebody by the name of Urbanus and also Timothy. Now, we don't really know much about the person Urbanus, but we do know Timothy was a young apprentice of Paul. Actually, Timothy became a pastor, and two times Paul writes a letter to Timothy to encourage him, and we have those letters included in the New Testament. Also, another man that's mentioned here is by the name of Tertius, and Tertius is actually the one who wrote down the words that Paul dictated in the letter to the Romans. You see, the point is, overall, it's important for us to recognize that there were other people who helped Paul accomplish what he did in an effort to share the message of the gospel with the people in Rome. Paul couldn't do it alone. And while I'm sure we all probably recognize the truth of that, I think it's worth mentioning how true that is in the church. I am so thankful. I really am. I am so thankful that you are here in worship today. I am glad you are here. And part of the reason why I say that is, of all the things that happen in the church, worship, Sharing the message of Jesus, the forgiveness of Christ, is the most important thing that we can do as a church. But it's not the only thing we do. We know there's a lot of other things that the church does as well. In fact, this today, at our 10 o'clock worship service, we are going to recognize and install some newly elected leaders in our congregation, and I am thankful for those leaders. The church needs leaders. But the church also benefits from people doing a variety of other things that help carry out the mission of the church. And I'm not just saying this this morning in an effort to try to recruit more volunteers for things. Certainly, we need more people involved in the mission. But I do want to simply make the church, make the point that the church, the body of Christ, everyone is needed. Everyone has something to offer. Everyone plays a role in carrying out the mission. Everyone has gifts, albeit different gifts, but we all have gifts that contribute towards what the Lord has called us to do. Why? Because we're better together. And no one person can do everything. But every person can do something. Why are we better together? Because no one can do everything. But I would also say that one of the other reasons we are better together is because everyone has significance. 
If you look at the names uh, that uh, are in the second section on the outline, if you follow the outline, or the names, same ones, listed on the screen in front of you, there are a lot of names. And there's no way that I can make reference to all of these names. If I did, we'd be here a lot longer than any of us anticipated. But I do think that there are a few names there worth highlighting. You know, probably, you probably know that in that day and time, it was a very male-dominated culture and society. And it's in light of that, I think there's a couple things worth noting here. For instance, I already mentioned the couple Priscilla and Aquila, but I want you to notice that in the seven times this couple is mentioned in the New Testament, almost every time her name is first. And that's the way Paul lists it here in the letter to the Romans. And it's suggested that maybe Priscilla's name came first because they recognized, Paul recognized, that she had a little stronger leadership gifts than Paul may have had. He was recognizing her significance. Look at a few of the other names that are mentioned here. Mary, who worked very hard in the Lord. Also, Trophina and Trophosa, Persis, all women who Paul recognized for the help that they contributed to advancing the message of the gospel. He talks about Rufus and his mother. Here is Paul is honoring each one of them because of their significance. Everyone has significance. I just mentioned Rufus, but this is not the first time Rufus is mentioned in the New Testament. Actually, we are introduced to that name in the Gospels. You remember the occasion when Jesus was carrying the cross on Good Friday through the streets of Jerusalem on the way to Golgotha. The Gospel writer Mark tells us a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced Simon to carry the cross. Now, we have no reason to believe that at that particular time yet, that Simon was a believer in Jesus. But I suspect, after carrying that heavy wooden cross to Golgotha, after watching Jesus be nailed to that cross, after G watching Jesus die on that cross, after watching Jesus come back to life from death, I suspect Simon became a, man, became a man of faith. And what do you think he did in his home with his sons Alexander and Rufus? Simon and his wife shared that faith. And here Paul mentions... In the last chapter of Romans, Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother. Everyone has significance. One other person I want to mention in this section is someone that I referred to earlier, Tertius. Very little is known about this man other than the fact that he was actually the one who wrote down the words here in Romans that Paul dictated. Tertius was Paul's scribe. But do you realize that the name Tertius actually means third, as in somebody is first, second, third? 
It's believed that this man was previously a slave before he became a follower of Jesus. And in those days, it was not uncommon for slaves to not be given names, but rather numbers. Instead, they were often identified in their families by number. Why? Because slaves were not seen as significant. But Paul mentions Tertius here because he knows otherwise. Here this former slave is the very one writing down the words that Paul is dictating to the Romans inspired by the Holy Spirit. Talk about somebody who had significance. Everyone has significance. But you and I know that sometimes in life we don't always feel that way. It's easy for us to feel like we don't matter. It's easy for, to, for us to let a critical comment that somebody says or, or posts on social media to affect how we think about ourselves. It's easy to look around and feel like nobody else has any problems or trouble in their life. And yet, there isn't a person among us who doesn't struggle in one way or another in life. But whatever it is that you might be going through in your life doesn't take away from the significance that you have to God. In fact, when you were baptized, God placed his name on you and he put his Holy Spirit inside of you. Talk about being significant. You are a created, redeemed, saved, forgiven, loved child of God. You are significant. Why are we better together? Because no one can do everything themselves. And because everyone has significance. And because others around us help us stay focused in life. I think staying focused on the truth of God's word and the promise of Jesus in our life is why Paul ends his letter to the Romans the way that he does. As he closes out his letter, he says a word of warning about people who cause divisions and who put obstacles in front of us in our faith. Well, you know, it's because that happens, it's because obstacles can come in the way of our faith that we come together to worship. It's because of some of the things that happen in our life that we come together to study God's Word. It's because of some of those obstacles and divisions that can happen that we come together, even in small groups, to pray for one another, care for one another, lift one another up. Why? Because others help us stay focused against error. And others help us stay focused on the gospel. I'm pretty sure that most of us probably recognize places in our life where we mess up. And if we don't, we probably have people in our life who remind us of where we mess up. My guess is, though, that many of us spend far too much time focusing on where we mess up and fail 
And if that's the case, all the more reason for us to be refocused on the gospel. Because you and I need Jesus. His forgiveness is for you. His suffering and death was for you. His victory in coming back to life was for you. God's verdict on your life is forgiven, accepted, loved. That's what God says about you. And with a focus on the gospel, notice then how Paul ends the last chapter, this whole book of Romans. He ends with these words. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaimed in Jesus Christ. No matter what else is happening, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus, and we are better together when we stay focused on Jesus. Somewhere I heard that there are 40, 59, 59 references in the Bible. Maybe there's a few more than that, maybe there's a few less, but for the sake of discussion this morning, let's say there are 59 references in the Bible as to how we are to relate to each other as believers in Christ. And I'm not going to take time to read all 59 this morning, but look at some of these. We are better together because together... We are here to serve one another, accept one another, strengthen one another, help one another, encourage one another, care for one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, commit to one another, build trust with one another, be devoted to one another, be patient with one another, be interested in one another, be accountable to one another, confess to one another, live in harmony with one another, be concerned with one another, carry one another's burdens, comfort one another, and love one another. Why all these references to one another? Because in the body of Christ, we are better together when we are with one another with Jesus as the focus. In his name, amen. Together with one another, let us stand and confess our faith.